Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 25 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and spirit guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, David Wu from Cyborg Octopus discusses his first band, and I recommend the latest from the band, Paradox. But before all that, I interview Blothar from the band Guar. Blothar, a.k.a. Michael Bishop. And the rest of Guar are about to release their 14th album, The Blood of Gods, on October 20th. This will mark their first album with Blothar fronting the band after the death of Dave Brocky, a.k.a. Odorous Urungus. I should mention that some listeners may find Blothar a bit off-putting compared to past guests of the show, but if that's the case, I wouldn't recommend it, and I wouldn't recommend Guar. If you know Guar, you know what you're getting into. So with that in mind, here's some of the track Fuck This Place from the new album The Blood of Gods by Guar. I think we're both kind of the same state of uh, sleepiness. Um, we're here to talk about Guar, of course. Yeah. So in a uh, yep. <laughs> in 2017, why do you think there's still a, a war on Guar? Why is there still a war on Guar? Because you know we're the. Uh, this is Blothar, by the way, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I mean. Right. Uh, there's a, you know, humans won't give up. They just keep kicking. They just keep struggling. And, and uh, you know, they, they, you know, they, war is, uh, uh, we're like, you know, we, we created them, but, uh, but they, they want us gone. Uh, and, and I mean, that, that's the narrative that's on the album is that, uh, you know, Guar faces incredible adversity. And the question that's asked on, and answered on that record is like, you know, will Guar continue? Will Guar can keep moving and, and do what they do? Um, and I, I, mean, I don't know if you've heard the record, but probably the, the song that, that talks about that the best is the last one, Phantom Limb, which is a, a tribute to our uh, lost lead singer, Odorous Urungus. Um, so yeah, I mean, Guar feels embattled. Um, I don't know whether, I don't exactly know why. Um, you know, I think, I think any time it's Guar's just a band that's gone through a lot of adversity. (laughs) (laughs) So it's easy to look at it and think, wow, yeah, there is a kind of war on Guar. And this is uh, your first record with the band as lead vocalist. I know you were involved about uh, right. 20 years ago. How you, how are you feeling about fronting the band now? The Gore fans seem pretty open-minded and oddly welcoming for being a little insane, but uh, how are you feeling still? Well, I mean, I think that it, that having 
having been in the band that you know I mean, Blothar has, I have some credibility. Uh, I have a, a connection to Guar that's pretty that's ancient. <laughs> so uh, um, you know, it feels good to stand in front of a a powerful rock and roll band and to kill things on stage. And you know that that's the, the, these guys are my uh, cosmic brothers from outer space. So. Uh, getting to be around them one more time is a, it's a, you know, it's a blast. It's exactly what, what I, what I need to be doing. It's a hell of a lot better than sleeping in the Antarctic tomb. I can tell you that. <laughs> and uh, while you were away from the banner, sorry, I'm the, uh, the finding the balance between Michael Bishop and Blothar is always it was something I was struggling with for some of these questions. So uh, while your while your human form was uh or what's the terminology you guys use anyway yeah my human slave my our, my slave yeah while your human slave was uh, away from the band got a, a PhD and you know was studying uh, popular music ethnography and uh, how does that come into play when you come back to Guar or during your time away well you know I mean PhD can stand for a lot of things. Pretty huge dick. Um, I, I've seen your drawers. I've seen your utter thing. Uh, that doesn't seem like a yeah, huge dick yeah. per se. Well, no, it's well, it's spread out. It's got a lot of volume, if not a lot of length. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, uh, uh, pooped her drawers. No, it, seriously. Yes, my. You were, what was the question about the uh, about my my human slave? Like what what different like what were you curious about what what that career was like or with um with so much knowledge with music in a different from yes, like a yes, different yes, point yes, of view? How does it uh, affect your writing? I yes. guess. Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, you know, my my human slave uh, studied. Music extensively, and uh, and then and you know this is really identical to Blothar. I mean, Blothar has done the same. Blothar is that he himself is uh, qualified to be an ethnographer, to be a musicologist. Um, you know, these are yeah, practicing musicians, and uh, this what I've always been interested in studying is uh, how people use music in their lives, and. Uh, um, you know, if I think that, you know, I know a lot about a lot of different styles of music, um, and I'm very open. And I think, if anything, that's what, uh, you know, for 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 getting a PhD in in musicology, you have to listen to a lot of different stuff and, and learn to appreciate it, and uh, you know, for what it is. Uh, so you know, uh, my <laughs> my slave is he's not very uh, uh, he's very patient and he's very interested in music and he keeps Blothar in the know about things around the world and it and it also allows uh, allows me to draw on uh, influences that most people who are playing this kind of music probably don't know or, or um, just because they haven't been exposed to it. I mean. Um, but I hesitate to say that that was true any more after the PhD than it was before. Um, Guar has always been a band that reaches for 
things that aren't like what other people are reaching for. And, uh, you know, I mean, songs like Horror of Yeg, I mean, that was well before uh, I went to uh, university, but um, that song's built on a Haitian voodoo summoning rhythm. Um, we we actually used to use a real summoning rhythm, like an actual rhythm that we would play during the show, um, and it felt like it had some kind of a magical power in performance, um, and I, I think it did. You know, so I mean, this is uh, in a, a lot of ways the academic career of my slave was an out was an outgrowth of my interest in work in music, uh, and you know, so it's always sort of all been there you know i just kind of learned how to give things names and how to find things out and, and uh, contextualize uh, this information a little more it's almost like you're the hidden prog nerd among guar <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i'm definitely in, there's lots of nerds in guar oh absolutely guar is, uh, yeah guar is, is nothing if not uncool guar is not cool uh, coming back to the new record a little bit, uh, there's some lyrics specifically on the track El Presidente that seem like they would set off some alerts with our government, especially with the uh, oh, yeah. the weird state of our government trying to shut just everything down. Are, are you nervous that uh, you're going to have to go more on one-on-one with uh, El Presidente himself on this? Yeah. Well, I hope not. I had a recent kind of scare uh, where you know, I've, I've been... Uh, doing an interview and, and I can't even remember and I'm sure that I was just I don't know probably I had one too many Chablis after <laughs> in the afternoon <laughs> and I and I, I was talking about uh, you know get a hold of Trump's kids um, and uh, yeah that gave me pause because people the, the way that, that, the, that the reporter framed it was in such a way like you could tell that that he was going for like you know this is a this this, this is a step too far um you know the, and trying to sort of generate interest in the story by casting it in this sort of really serious light that wasn't my intention at all and people have talked about el president i mean look war's always been on and i know that we've been on the list of the people that they're looking at we always will be um and you know i don't know you're right that this administration does seem actually fucked up enough to go after uh artists who are saying things if they'll go after professional athletes um but uh, you know we, we can't worry about that i mean we just keep doing what we're going to do you know, and Trump apparently, like, he's a dangerous foe. I mean, he's immortal because he comes out on stage every night, uh, and he'll be there on this tour, too. You know, his superpower is the incredibly long handshake. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, if you touch his hand, then he's fucked. Uh, but, you know, he goes out and we rip his guts out, and then he shows up the next day. Um, and, I mean, El Presidente is in some ways just about war, like, it's about Trump or or or, or a president. Um, it's more about uh, you know, America kind of losing its way, and uh, uh, because that's really what Trump is about. Um, 
uh, with the current state of the world and American politics, is it almost too easy to decide who to kill every night? Well, it's, it's, it's easy to do the obvious thing, and so we have tried to, to move away from the obvious thing um, in most instances. Uh, sometimes you just can't help it. It's just too perfect. Um, but, um, you know, and that's how you get things like Lacey Peterson being raped with a fish, right? Like, how can you... How can you pass up the opportunity to rape Lacey Peterson with a fish? Um, or, excuse me, the corpse of Lacey Peterson. <laughs> um, yeah, war is objectionable, that's for sure. And, and uh, even now, uh, you know, if anything, like, things have become, it's become difficult for Gua to keep up. And that's actually a theme on the record. You know, humans are humans are just fucked up and they're more and more fucked up. And even though they're our creation, it looks like they're more sinister and darker and more evil in a sense than Guar. You know, and Guar's not really evil, but humans are, are humans are evil. They're more, more, and Guar is chaotic. Guar is on the side of nature and chaos. And, uh, you know, it's an elemental force. Uh, and, you know, humanity just, I mean, it just seems so bent on, the egocentric destruction that you know, Guar's just kind of having a hard time keeping up. You know, and yet people are stealing our bits. You know, Kathy Griffin is holding up ahead, and 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 you know, and worse or better, depending on how you look at it, uh, people are cutting people's heads off for real on television. You know, the, these these kinds of acts um, that people can't even imagine these things happening. And every day, there's a new, a new outrage, a new way that the world has reached some point that people never thought it would get to, and it just keeps doing it. It just keeps going. Um, you know, Guar wants to provide a merciful end to this unfolding nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to change things up a little bit, how did you guys land on covering ACDC? Well, uh, Odious Ron has always wanted to do that song. Um, my voice type uh, fits the song. Um, but I actually do it much better live than the way it was recorded. Um, and, and partly that's because we, we recorded quickly. So by the time that it came, you know, that, I mean, it being a cover song, we kind of put it off until the last thing, because it was the easiest rather than the hardest thing to do, and that was kind of a mistake, because by that point, my voice was pretty frazzled, um, but it, we pulled it off, you know, it, it's a difficult song to sing, um, it's a difficult song to, uh, and Bon Scott is not, he's kind of like Odorous, I mean, um, and, and, and it also connects Guar to the story of ACDC in a sense, right? I mean, that's what intertextuality is about. And whenever we use some text, you know, just it, it's just has these sort of polysemous meanings that, you know, Guar is linking <laughs> with links to ACDC and their ability to survive like these little four and a half foot tall Australian cockroaches, you know. <laughs> Somehow, you know, so, I mean, it, it, we're hoping to catch some of their long lives, too, I suppose. 
Um, how is the Guar Bar doing? Uh, like, I'm a fan of brunch and Guar, and I'm tempted to make a trek just for that. Well, man, that, those two things go together. The Guar Bar is doing great. People come in there, I don't know why. They, they you know, they're sitting basically in, in a charnel house full of uh, body parts and, and, and all kinds of memorabilia about Guar. And, you know, the waitresses are all... Uh, Good looking and mean, <laughs> you know. So it's a it's a rough uh, it's a rough environment. Um, you know, I try to tell people don't go to the Guar Bar no matter what you do. Surely it'll be doom. Um, but they have some they have some interesting food. Um, you know, the jizz mac and cheese and the, uh, you know all kinds of things. You know, we keep trying to think. I keep trying to think of new things for them to have. They have. Uh, you know, beefcake burgers and uh, meat sandwiches, of course. Uh, and uh, Balsat, which was a guest, it turns out, is an extremely gifted uh, chef. So, uh, and comes even from a, a family, a long lineage of, of chefs. So, uh, you know, it's perfect. Um, and, and it has a good vibe in the place, I think, of people who come enjoy sitting there and listening to music, you know, metal music that's so loud that they can't really talk and, and eating weird food and getting really drunk. That's sounds what four lovely. For. Sounds amazing. <laughs> but they do, have, they do have a great brunch, a great brunch. Yeah. <laughs> chicken, and, chicken and waffles. Ah, oh, so good. That was The War on Guar from the album The Blood of Gods. I'll have more with Blothar in just a moment, but right now, this is my first band. Every musician has a start somewhere, and in this episode, David Wu of the band Cyborg Octopus and the Riff Shop YouTube channel discusses his heavy metal origins. Uh, my first band was called All Is Vanity. Um, that was actually with Scott from Carstairs, or Scott Carstairs from Fallujah. Funny, fun fact. Uh, yeah, no, so it was called All Is Vanity, and then we sounded kind of like, uh, I want to say maybe like Kill Switch Engage minus the clean singing and minus the sounding good. Up until you said sounding good, I was going to suggest other bands I know of, but now I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, we were, we were, we were not bad.
That was Epiphany from the Cyborg Octopus album Learning to Breathe. For more on the band, head to cyborgoctopus.bandcamp.com and facebook.com slash cyborgoctopus. Now, here's some of the Gore classic that features Michael Bishop on bass as Beefcake the Mighty and Otis Rungus on lead vocals. From the album We Kill Everything, this is The Master Has a Butt before we wrap up with Michael Bishop. folks with ted surprised with your ted talk when they signed you on the folks with ted uh, i mean i don't think they were surprised um i think that you know ted is essentially run by a bunch of douchebag millennials so like they're not going to like they're very rigid uh, even though they can't see that, you know, so like, I mean, anytime you have like a bunch of, I mean, from, from, from our end, and when I say our, I mean the speakers, you know, like they, they're dealing with people who have been out in the world and have actually done things. So, you know, to watch a, a 19 year old kid or 23 year old kid, whatever, admonish a guy who's made his living pulling up oysters out of the Eastern shore for, 50 years and, you know, telling him how to, how he needs to speak in front of this crowd. Um, I found myself feeling a little bit like I didn't really give a shit what they thought of my TED talk. Um, so, you know, it, uh, it was, it was nice of them to, to ask and it was nice uh, to do it. Uh, but, uh, there were some things about it that were a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that it was less the, less the people that were there, the, the hard people um, that were there, uh, you know, especially the people from the, the TED Talks themselves, the representatives from that. Um, they were less interesting to me than, than the other participants and uh, who were speaking. And also um, the thing that was really interesting was being, you know, at one point, I know my human slave had a little panic. I could see it in his eyes when he starts talking to a, you know, a, a, a packed concert hall in Richmond, Virginia, about like you know the evils of the tobacco industry and and Richmond's sort of racist past. You know, like the, these things. Um, and that that talk was done, like you know, well before a lot of these things have really come out. 
in, especially in Virginia recently, sort of like struggles over race and, and history. Um, you know, and Gore's always been there. We've always been, um, interestingly enough, like, and, and this was actually part of the talk that I wanted to get to, but I didn't get to because they included they included the uh, the skit that we did where Postulus came out and executed a kind of perversion of Ted, basically. Um, and, uh, you know, they counted that in my time. So my speech was made, uh, like, it was supposed to be twice as long as it was. Um, and they told me about that they were going to do this the day before I was supposed to give the speech, you know. And it's, it's kind of like Mark Twain said, you know, if you wanted a shorter letter... If you'd have given me, if you'd have given me more time, I could have given you a shorter letter, right? <laughs> um, but uh, as it was, you know, uh, it was interesting. Uh, um, I don't know. I kind of lost my tongue. It was it was a, it was a, a good experience, all in all. And um, oh man, what was I trying to say? I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, I know I had something in my, in my mind. I was, you know, it was weird. Like we had, there was an area that they could go out and let me look at props and take photographs with war weapons and stuff like that. And all of that was really fun. Um, you know, that stuff that people don't see in the video itself. Um, but I, oh, I remember what I was going to say is that like, you know, Guar being um, like based in Richmond, Virginia, at least sort of the slaves of Guar who are based in Richmond, Virginia. Um, that connection with uh, with you know now bands who are from here claim being from here, right? They're, they're like it's part of their identity is to, and it's one of the ways that they kind of reach for authenticity in some sense. Like you know, we're from the capital of the Confederacy. You know, we're we're from here, and like they sort of build in as part of their their brand image, in a sense, in a sense of being from Richmond. And uh, you know, for us coming out of the punk movement, like we wanted to be a part of something that was so far away that it was in another galaxy. You know, we didn't want to be from here. We didn't want to include that in our identities, right? We couldn't keep it out. We couldn't, you know. And I, I think that, that some of the some of the war really registers the darkness and the chaos uh, of this town um, and the circumstances in which it came about. You know. So I, mean, I, I remember when I heard that talk, I clearly don't think that war would exist without a massive open space of basically abandoned buildings that that came about due to, directly due to harmful economic policies that were based in, in racism, you know? I mean, there's no other way to, to describe it. That's what happened. So, uh, and I'm not saying that Gore needs to feel guilty or anything like that, but, or that anyone does. It's just true that, like, you know, driving people out of the inner cities and moving them into... Uh, housing projects and leaving a city that's essentially vacant uh, in its downtown because all the white people have left um, created a situation that allowed Guar to be born. Um, you know, but not owning that 
not acknowledging it seems like, a, you know, I mean, it's not something that somebody who, I mean, I'm interested in that stuff, so I'm going to think about it and write about it in those terms. Alrighty, sir. Thank you so much for talking to me. Enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll see you. In, I'll see you in Sacramento. Actually, I just got locked in for that, so it'll be a lot of fun. Cool, man. Thank you so much. All right, later, man. Goodbye. Blood of Gods by Guar drops October 20th via Metal Blade Records. For Guar tour dates and more information, head to facebook.com slash guar and guar.net. Also, if you're in the Sacramento area when Guar comes to town, say hi. I was not blowing smoke up his ass. I'm going to be at that show and I'm going to get covered in blood. Join me. As always, I'm going to end this episode with a recommendation of a band you may or may not be aware of. In this episode, I'm urging you all to check out the band Parados. Parados are an Italian band that mixes progressive metal with black metal, folk metal, and a bunch of other genres to create a lush, epic sound in lines with bands like Agalock, Dreadnought, and other folks of that ilk. On October 27th, the band is going to release their album Catharsis. From that album, here is Space Omega in its entirety.
Once again, you can get Catharsis on October 27th by the band Paradox. For more on the band, head to paradoxmusic.com and facebook.com slash paradoxmusic. As always, I'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you, if you're in a band or you know people in a band, to email me at farbeyondmetaldan at gmail.com. Send me your music. I want to include it on the show. If you want to tweet at me, you can do so at Ovacore. That's O-V-A-C-O-R-D. And you can like the show on facebook.com slash farbeyondmetal. And of course, the theme music is Far Beyond Metal from the album The New Black by the band Strapping Young Lad, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. Catbox Production.